0: Well good morning, everybody. Um, before I preach, I want to pass along a testimony and a prayer request. Um, brother Warren called me yesterday afternoon, and um, I don't know, a few of you may know that he and Anita went down to Texas on uh, well about a week ago, after church, I guess, to because they uh, Anita's brother. Uh, was not in good health and they felt the Lord putting on their heart that it was urgent to go down there. Well, Warren uh, said uh, he had never known, this brother had never known the Lord and Warren said that on Tuesday Warren was able to lead him to the Lord. All right, so praise the Lord for that. And, and just about 24 hours later he, he passed away so um, praise the Lord yeah and um, yeah Warren had said that his brother or I need his brother kept saying he'd get around to it someday he didn't want to do it right then and Warren had prayed that he would be able to spend some time alone with the brother I don't know if he did or not yeah well actually it wasn't alone Everybody was. A lot of people were in the room, but didn't matter. Yeah. I felt like the Lord told me that He was going to accept him, and I was, you know, just rejoicing. Yeah. That that was going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, but, that's. Yeah. Thank you for your prayers. And uh, Warren requested that um, that we all would pray for the family. Um, Anita's brother's name was James Forbes, and uh, praise God that he is with the Lord. Um, but pray for his family. They're going to have a funeral this Wednesday. Warren and Anita probably won't be back until next weekend. Um, um, I guess most of James's family doesn't know the Lord, so pray for more people that come to salvation and pray for comfort for them. So shall we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We rejoice with you and the angels. Uh, that James, Anita's brother, has um, come to give his life to you and that now he is with you. We rejoice and we give thanks. We thank you um, that even when we are putting you off, that you are still pursuing us and that your, your plans for us are good and your desires are for our well-being. And Father, we pray uh, for uh, the rest of that family down there We pray that um, they also will see their need for you and come to you. And we pray for Warren and Anita and others that they will have opportunities to, to be your witness this week. And we pray comfort and peace upon that family, that they will find peace in you. And we give thanks again in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, also, we just ask that you would speak to us this morning through your word. And Lord, that you would help me to speak your words and you would apply it to each of our hearts and our circumstances. Help us to hear it, understand it, believe it, and obey it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Well, I've got a little cartoon. This morning, uh, we're going to... Talk about building on the faith you've been given. We're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 1. So if you got your Bible, open to 2 Peter chapter 1. And uh, so a little back-to-school humor here. Uh, you know, what did you do this summer? Well, if you followed me on Twitter, you'd know, the, the kid says to his teacher. Um, <laughs> So, you know, Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples of all nations. And that begins at home and uh, starts with our children. uh, If we are Christian families, you know, the reason we have Christian Outreach School here is because um, God has called us to help parents disciple our children into the calling that they have from Jesus. Each of us has a calling from the Lord a call, a specific call on our lives. Uh, It doesn't matter what age we are, young or old or in between. He's the one who said, follow me. Amen? And um, recently I heard Pastor Eric Johnson say, um, sometimes we think of following Jesus like we follow somebody on Twitter or Instagram. (laughs) Like we click a button and we say, yeah, I like what you say. Yeah, cool picture. You know, we might comment about, about it, what he says, or what he de- did. Um, but when Jesus talks about following him, he, he wants us not to just click on something. He wants us to be in the selfie, uh, is what he said. You know, he wants us, you know, following him means to go where he goes and do what he does with him. Amen? And uh, so um, we're going to talk some about that this morning. Um, Got an envelope here. This spring, I was given—we uh, were given a bunch of seeds by a, it was the DeSoto Christian Church—and uh, I got this packet of giant seeds for giant pumpkins. And uh, I like—I like gardening when I've got time to do it, and uh, I like all the vegetables. I love to eat them. I like to see them grow and things. But I think. Uh, from when I was a kid, the ones that I love the best are the melons, the watermelons, the squash, the pumpkins, even the gourds, um, because those things, I don't know, I just like the way they grow, um, uh, and especially that they get really big. And so, I saw these, I was like, well, we got to have these giant pumpkins. I don't know if you you know, that pumpkin is bigger than that kid. I mean, that's, uh, that's really cool. What if we grew something like that? You know, that would just be great. I don't know what I would do with it, but, but it would just be really cool. And, um, but you know what? Uh, I don't have any giant pumpkins because, uh, I, as you can see, I still have the seeds. I didn't plant them, and I didn't do any of the things that we'd need to do, like dig around them, weed, water them, fertilize them. Uh, you know, around here you've got to watch, look under the leaves for those squash bugs and uh, squish them in your fingers and break, pop those eggs, all those little eggs, and um, it's very labor intensive. I didn't do any of that. <laughs> I didn't even plant them. So, um, you know, there's still seeds and uh, I don't have any pumpkins. Well, wh- what do giant pumpkins have to do with the call to follow Jesus? Let's look at Second Peter 1 one we're going to read the first 15 verses of it and start out with the first two uh this is really awesome greeting sometimes we read these beginnings of epistles and we think yeah let's get past this uh you know it's just like formalities you know but it's not there's some awesome promises in here simon peter a servant and apostle of jesus christ to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So um, I'm not sure who this is talking to because it says to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Now this is the apostle Peter talking. So he's probably talking about the other apostles, Paul and all the other ones that walked around with Jesus and we know what they did and what their life was like and what their faith was like so um, so who is he talking to well um, you know it's us we're saved by grace through faith and this is a gift of God and Peter's talking to to all who are believers because if we are believers it says through the knowledge of him through knowing him through relationship with him We've got the Holy Spirit in us. He dwells in us. And he has put in us a faith. It's a gift from God, that faith that we have. And it's of equal standing with that, that the the same that the apostles had. That's what he's saying. Um, And and we have that that righteousness of Christ in us and that faith in us um, by believing in him. And then... Uh, there's this great blessing that we should probably say to each other when we meet each other, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That's, that's what we want, right? Um, again, here, knowledge means knowing him, right? I know him. We have a, a good standing relationship with him. And that's because we have repented of our sins and put our faith in Jesus who died on the cross um, to give us new life and bring us back into his family so um you know can look at you and say noah you you have obtained a faith of equal standing with peter the apostle peter and carly you too and stephen you too and uh jerry you too each of us has each of us who has faith in him. Um, So if you're like me, you might be asking a question at this point. Um, Well, if that is true, why is my experience not quite like that of the Apostle Peter or the Apostle Paul? No, maybe some of us, some of us our experience is more like that, but uh, that's a good question. We'll say one thing. It's not because of our lack of potential. It's not because of your lack of potential. It's not because of God's neglect of equipping you. Amen? Or me. He's given each of us believers himself. His Holy Spirit dwells in us. His face shines upon us. He has shown us his ways. He's given us love and power. It's all in us. So, in fact, beyond that, verse uh, starting at verse 3, it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of of the divine nature think about that for a minute what he's given to us and the promises of what that will do are so great that that we might partake in the divine nature in other words be like God I'm not saying that we will become gods that's what the Mormons say but that, that we will become like him that Jesus said that we would do things that he did, even greater things, that we will have the character that God has, have, walk in the power of God, walk in the love of God, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Um, looking at these seeds again. Okay, so um, it's in there right and this is kind of like the faith that we've been given when we believe it's kinda like in seed form but it's in there okay what's the promises the promise of this is a pumpkin this big or more right and it's the same that's what Peter's saying about us and our faith uh, think of something else imagine that someone gave you a new high-powered macbook I'm not, I'm not exactly a Mac fan, but it's supposed to be the best computer. Um, it's a good one anyway. And they made sure that your electric bill was all paid up, that you had unlimited high-speed Internet Wi-Fi to use with it. But the important question is, what are you going to do with this thing? Right? How are you going to make use of it? And, um, you know, are you, what are you going to create? What are you going to accomplish? What are you going to do to enjoy it? You can do a lot of things with it, but you've got to do something with it. You've got to add something to it. You've got to download uh, software or apps um, to use with it, and you've got to uh, make use of it, right? And And that's the same thing. That's what God is asking us about this faith that Peter writes, that he's given us the promises that come with it. What are we going to do with it? How are we going to build on it? and so he continues and here's the key verse we're gonna look at that this whole chapter hinges on verse five six and seven for this very reason make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection, with love. Now, if you're like me, um, you read this and you're tempted to think, "Wow, yeah, those are all great things. I totally agree with them. I'm not sure totally what they all mean, but but yeah, that's a good thing." What's the next verse say? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, okay, those are good things. Well, this morning, we, we would like to look at those words. Like, what is it saying? Because it's saying, all right, we've got this foundation that God has given us, but now uh, it says supplement, supplement your faith with virtue. Um, other translations say add to your faith. So I'm thinking build on it. Okay, like there's a foundation. What are you going to build on it next? And then on top of that, what are you going to do? And once you have that, you can add this, okay? So uh, I'm not a Greek scholar, uh, but we're going to try to look at the meaning of some of these words this morning to see what, it, what is Peter encouraging us to do um, with this faith. We've got all this potential, but we've got to um, let it grow. We've got to build on it. All right, so I'm, I'm going to use some help of something called Helps Word Studies uh, that's on my computer, and uh, first let's look at the verb that it's translated their supplement, and boy, uh, I look at these Greek words, I'm probably tempted to pronounce them like Chinese, but epicsori geo, okay. Um, it, what does it mean? It means literally lavishly supply uh, as it's suitable to outfit all that is needed to accomplish a grand objective. In other words, Make every effort to lavishly supply with these things in order to accomplish God's grand objective for your life. Are you aware of God's grand objective for your life? He's got one, doesn't he? Amen. All right, what that made me think of to outfit, to lavishly outfit, I'm thinking back to these paratroopers from World War II, from the 82nd Airborne, 101st Airborne. And these guys were jumping out of airplanes with more than 100, 150 pounds of, of accoutrements of equipment strapped on to them. Most important being the parachute, right? But, but beyond that, uh, <laughs> they had a lot of stuff. And, and here, here we see a guy dressed up like, like a World War II paratrooper. And, um, you know, because it's like our faith is, is the soldier. Yeah, but but if the soldier jumps down there and he's got no weapons, he's not, you know, there's uh, not, he's not going to do a whole lot, right? He's not going to be very effective, um, and so he's saying, you make every, you know, what I read in a book is that these soldiers before they jumped onto the airplanes went by these tables and loaded up with grenades and and guns and ammunition and and all the other. Um, stuff that they were going to need, including food and things like that. So, um, you know, it's tempting not to carry around all that weight, but um, the truth is you want to be carrying as much as possible, right? Um, (coughs) So... uh, Let's, let's look at what it is we're supposed to do this with to lavishly supply ourselves to accomplish God's grand objective in our lives. And the first thing it said is supplement your faith with virtue. Well, what is virtue? All I'm thinking is patience is a virtue. I know that one, right? Everybody knows that one. Um, well, it's the word uh, arete. Which, uh, which means moral goodness, moral excellence, righteousness. Sounds to me like obedience, doing the right thing, thinking the right thing, speaking the right thing. Okay, it's, it's like fruit. Uh, this word, by the way, is the same word used of God in, at the end of verse 3, where it says, uh, talks about, God, his own glory and excellence. Same word used. Okay. Um, so we got a picture here of a giant pumpkin. I didn't know it. Somewhere in Canada, they, they have boat races made out of giant pumpkins. Now that's a fruitful life. Right? That's, that's some serious fruit. So, um, you know, Galatians 5.22 says, the, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So it's like this. As, As you are walking with Jesus... Remember what we said, we're not just liking Jesus by clicking a button, but as we are walking with him, as he leads us through the circumstances day by day in our lives, that kind of walking, being his disciple, you'll do the same things that he does, not through your own strength, but through his. We're going to find out what pleases him. You know, We're going to know his heart, and we're going to want to do that, We're not talking about legalism here. We're not talking about earning your salvation by doing good works. But we are talking about good works that are the fruit of our faith. That's the fruit of us being in relationship with him. It's a natural thing. Amen? And it's empowered by the Spirit, just like we read the fruit of the Spirit. That comes not through you trying hard, but you being in relationship with the Holy Spirit and yielding to him, allowing him to have his way knowing him and, bec- and, and loving him and being filled with his love and power. Um, so this is what he's saying. Add to your faith virtue. Okay, Build on it. Don't ignore that stuff. Yeah, we're saved by grace, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to obey his will. We want to please God. And, and that's fruit. And, and when you plant seeds... You, you expect fruit, and fruit is a good thing. we don't plant seeds and think, "Oh, well, I planted my garden. <laughs> feel pretty good about that i don't care what happens now. you know we want fruit, and so does God. Um, the next step then is um, to virtue, add knowledge uh, the word for the Greek word for that is gnosis, which means." Uh, a functional or working knowledge gleaned from first-hand or personal experience connecting theory to application application knowledge gained in or by a direct relationship um, so it's saying supplement virtue with knowledge uh, we can use the word experience you know uh, earlier in the chapter twice it used the word knowledge means knowing like I know the Lord. We have a relationship with him. But this is knowledge like um, uh, knowing what to do, how to do something, how he would do something, how things work in the kingdom. And uh, we get that by experience, again, of walking with him. And that's called discipleship, right, as we are his disciples and following him through our lives. Um, We receive instruction from him through his word by the Holy Spirit into our spirit, Uh, by God teaching you as you walk through life. We also, it's knowledge of learning to trust his character as you have to trust in him. As you walk through different experiences of ministry, you see how faithfully he helps, how he provides, how he protects and strengthens you, okay? Just this week, uh, as the principal of the school, I walked through uh, something, a situation with, you know, like bringing people in and how to deal with them. Um, when a problem comes up, something just had my nerves on edge and I'm just like, Lord, I don't know what to do, but you will help me. and And he did. And it worked out well. Sometimes we learn by the mistakes that we make, too. Okay, but or learning how he provides. Have you learned that? So this is the kind of knowledge, it's like experience, experiential knowledge, practical knowledge. You know when we were in China my Chinese students and friends uh, a lot of times I'd hear them lament about the style of education that China traditionally has had, which is teach to the test. It's, uh, they learn factual information that they can Get right on the test because testing is really important in China. But there, a lot of them said we wish our education system was a lot more like the United States, where traditionally we have more experiential learning, learning how to do things, how to do skills, right? Applied knowledge, right? Unfortunately, right now the powers that be are kind of trying to move the. American education back to testing based, which is uh, ironic and unfortunate I think but uh, but God's plan for us is to grow in practical knowledge and and it comes by walking with him day by day in relationship. We add to virtue knowledge. The next thing it talks about is oh here's a Here's a verse. In Acts chapter 4, it says, verse 13, Now when they, the Jewish leaders, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I think that's a perfect example of what they're talking about. Add add to um, virtue this kind of knowledge. The next one is self-control. Supplement your knowledge with self-control. The word is egreteia. comes from two parts. N, in the sphere of, and kratos, dominion and mastery. So dominion within, they said. Proceeding out from within oneself, but not by oneself. For the believer, self-control can be accomplished by the power of the Lord. So the Holy Spirit having dominion within you, letting him have dominion with, within you to be able to do what you know is right. Now one thing it says that you build that on knowledge um, because the Holy Spirit can give you self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. But if I don't know what is right or what I need to do, If I'm not convinced of that, then I'm not even going to try to control myself of it. You understand? So it's something that builds on knowledge. Um, Knowledge shows you what to do. Self-control enables you to put it into practice. How many of you know there's a difference? (laughs) How How many times do you know what you should do, but you still fail to do it? Okay, self-control means letting your inner self be under the control of the Holy Spirit. That control will work its way out through your attitudes, thoughts, words, and behavior. Your faith and knowledge become concrete actions or reality. And that's God's plan, right? He didn't mean for you just to be a Christian in theory. He means for us to bear fruit, to be a Christian in action as well. And uh, that's what a disciple is. <coughs> John fifteen, five. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is good news. How many of you have struggled? You said, I, I lack self-control. You know, usually, I guess that brings to mind eating, right? <laughs> but... Uh, um but the thing is that's what we're really talking about is allowing the holy spirit to control me with from within it's that kind of self-control and so that's we want to add that to knowledge because knowledge is useless without applying it without putting it into practice Next, steadfastness, also translated perseverance in some Bibles. And uh, that's the word hypomene, hypomene. From hippo, under, and meno, remain, endure. Properly translated, remaining under, endurance, steadfastness especially as God enables the believer to remain or endure under the challenges he allots in life. Um, Okay, so we're at the point where our faith has produced actions. Good. So what are we going to do? Stop? Not keep on living that way? The, in James 1.12, it says, blessed is, he, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so we are called to endure. The Christian life is not a one-time thing. It's, it's a lifelong thing, and that's, that's good, right? But that requires endurance. How many of you know persecutions will come because of your faith? And so in Revelation, it also said, be faithful unto, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. But it requires steadfastness, perseverance, uh, remaining under. What will happen to you when the going gets tough? Because there will be times when it does get tough. Will you persevere in your faith in walking with Jesus? What will happen in the times when everything is going really well? That might be even a bigger test, because we're tempted then to just trust in ourselves and not be dependent like God. I need your help. You know, it's, God, I'm okay today. That's that's the more dangerous place, I think. Um, we've got to persevere and be steadfast uh, in walking with Jesus. Um, I'm a run- most of you know I'm a runner, and since uh, since college I've gotten the habit of running three times a week. Usually it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday afternoon, and about three or four miles each time. And to tell you the truth, at this point running is pretty easy for me. Um, it may not be easy. I know for a lot of people it's not. Why is it easy for me? It's not because I'm such a, a great athlete, but it's just that it's a habit uh, it, it, it's just starting in college I think it was because of my blood pressure or something I just developed a habit of exercising and once you get doing that there's something internally there's a determination and almost a compulsion inside that well I have got to run today so that you know there are don't get me wrong there are days at the end of the day I'm tired and I'm like I don't I'd rather lie down on the bed it's time to get up and get the running shoes on and go running. But I do it anyway because I'm compelled from within by this this habit. And um, another person who would want to do that might have a more difficult time than I do. But if that person, one day at a time, step by step, said, I'm going to get out and do this exercise, and the next day, the same thing. Um, that person would end up building up the same kind of uh, perseverance uh, that, that I happen to have by, about running. And the same is true with spiritual endurance. It's day by day, step by step. God empowers you to keep following him. The next one is godliness. It says, to add to, to steadfastness, uh, supplement godliness. So at first, I look at that and I say, well, what's, what's godliness? What's the difference between virtue? I thought we already talked about virtue, which is moral excellence and righteousness, and godliness. What does that word mean? Well, it's uh, eusebia from you, which means well, and sebomai, which means venerate, pay homage. Properly, someone's inner response to the things of God, which shows itself in godly piety or reverence. Godly heart response naturally expresses itself in reverence for God. So when I read that, it sounds more like like worship. Um, when I hear the word piety, it's not a word we use a lot in daily conversation, but in China I heard it because. Um, Chinese people talk about the concept of filial piety, which is showing respect to your parents and grandparents and dead ancestors, and that's, you know, so you see a picture of the kid bowing down before his grandpa or his dad. Um, Or that's why in Buddhism they will uh, burn incense before a little altar in their house to, to to the ancestors. And um, or they'll at holidays they'll put out a bowl of rice and put out their food as if the ancestors are going to eat it, you know. And you think, well, that's 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 crazy. Well, that's that's idolatry. But um, but that's the concept of piety. piety. Um, So for us, when I look at this word, I think it's um, talking about learning first of all to take God seriously maybe we call it the fear of the Lord and gratitude and just a recognizing of God's greatness and also His goodness and so just developing that natural response in ourselves to revere God to worship God so it might just be learning learning to worship Him during the day and not to be timid about uh giving myself wholeheartedly to worship in the church or outside of the church you know to to not care what other people think and not be hindered by oh i'm tired today or oh i just don't feel that way today you know but just a a development of really honoring god with my attitude my words my actions I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to communicate here. Um, I Think about King David, that when he brought the ark of God's presence to Jerusalem, you know the story that, that, first of all, they sacrifice, I mean, I don't know how many, what is it, a thousand bulls? You know, it said something about they'd take seven steps and then they'd sacrifice a bull. And um, just, that's lavish worship. And then it says that David took off everything but his linen ephod and was dancing and jumping around um, in the presence of the Lord in worship. And it was because he, was, because he loved and honored the Lord. And his wife, Michael, uh, despised him for it. And David wasn't <laughs> didn't think too much of her because of that. And neither did the Lord, because she never had children. Um, but that that kind of love of God. So it's it's an attitude in life that doesn't take God for granted or treat him carelessly. So that that's another thing that we build on top of. And then uh, the next one says brotherly affection or brotherly kindness. And I can pronounce this I can pronounce this one. Philadelphia, I've heard that one before, which is the city of brotherly love, right? Which is uh, ironic, because if, you, if you're a sports fan, you know that the Phillies fans and the Eagles fans, the Philadelphia sports fans are some of the rudest, known for booing and, and uh, keeping abuse on players and fans of other teams. But that's not what we're talking about today. Um, it means it's from philos loving friend and adelphos a brother so properly translated affection for the brethren fellow believers so supplement your godliness your your worship of God and your love and reverence for God with brotherly affection and affection for God's other children the others in God's families besides God and you and uh, if we've got, if we've got that down, how to reverence and worship our heavenly Father, we also need to grow in fellowship with all other believers, our brothers and sisters in God's family. You know, you can show all the honor in the world to the Lord, but what is He going to feel if you are dishonoring or cutting yourself off from or treating badly your fellow Christians? Because of what? Because of disagreements or, um, or offenses or because they're different. Um, it's not going to be fulfilling his desires if we have discord and disconnection with his other chil- children who are your siblings in his family. So we need to understand how important unity is in God's family, the church. What does God, our Father, think when we reject our brothers and sisters over these things, disagreements, offenses, differences? What does he think? Is he pleased with that? No, he's not. Do, Do we let these things take away our affection for others? Or have we learned to love other believers in this way? I think Peter is saying, this is something you need to build on your faith. And this is why we have you know, this prayer meeting coming up and why we've been talking so much about unity between the churches. But it's not just from ch- from denomination to denomination or from congregation to congregation, but it's b- from person to person. And sometimes the hardest ones are the people in our own family or the people who are closest to us in our own congregation or the people that we work together with sometimes. Um, we've got to, God is asking us to develop that brotherly affection for one another and treat each other with the honor that we are learning to treat him with because they are his children they're not perfect but they are his we are all his children who are believers so um we need to grow in that bond psalm 133 is a great psalm it's short but it's great it says how good and pleasant it is when god's people live together in unity." it's like precious oil poured on the head running down on the beard running down on Aaron's beard down on the collar of his robe I'll admit when I was a kid I had no idea what in the world this is talking about (laughs) but uh, and then the other one it's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion for there the Lord bestows his blessing even life forevermore and I used to think Well, did the Israelite people think it was great to, oh, oil is pouring all over me. I think that would be disgusting, you know? Or why the dew on one mountain is falling on another mountain. That's a good thing, I guess. Well, these are two pictures to show blessing. Okay, one is, okay, Aaron is the high priest. We got a picture up there. Uh, And I, I guess that's a picture of Moses anointing, pouring oil on Aaron. He's the high. Now see if you see a connection here. Oil being ho- poured on the head of the high priest, dripping down um, into the clothing and the rest of the body. Oil that was poured on the head being shared with the body of the high priest. Who is our high priest? Jesus. Who is his body? we are all of us together he is building us into a temple right and uh and so it's a picture of god's anointing on jesus being shared with us his body uh when we love and are in unity with one another the other the other picture is uh it's as if the dew of mount Hermon, well I'm, I read that Mount Hermon is a very lush green mountain full of plants and animals in Israel uh, were transferred to Mount Zion which we know is in Jerusalem. It's where the temple is. Uh, and evidently it doesn't receive a lot of rain and so it's a dry place. It's as if the dew of the the blessing so even like that even so, the Lord bestows His blessing both now and forevermore. that when when we're walking in unity, the blessing that falls on one is shared or transferred to another. So when we're talking about we want revival to come and we believe that praying together with other congregations is a step in that direction, it's because of this concept that God is going to be pleased, and His power, His love, His working is going to flow freely in revival when we are in unity, whether it's inside our families, or it's inside our congregation, or whether it's between congregations, whether it's between we American Christians and the Christians in Iraq that we were praying for this morning. Um, God wants us to develop that brotherly affection because we are all one family, we are all one nation, one kingdom, right? A royal priesthood. And so, uh, we want God's blessings. So we come to the last one. To brotherly affection supplement love. And love of, I can pronounce that one too, agape. And it means love which centers in moral preference. uh, The word to prefer others. So too in secular ancient Greek, it focuses on preference. uh, To prefer. In the New Testament, typically it refers to divine love. A lot of times it's used for when it says the love of God. It uses agape. Agape. Also, it's used to describe Christians eating together. And so on September 10th, we'll have an agape together. We love each other by sharing our food with each other, I guess. So um, the Bible connects food and love. That's a good thing. Um, So in John 15, Jesus said, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends and so this love is a giving love it's the kind of love it's the love of god and the love of god is sending jesus to die on the cross for us that's sacrificial and uh that's the love that we are called to so to me it's no accident that this is the last one on the list or the highest one because it it talks about sacrificing your own life, sacrificing yourself for God and for, other, for others. Um, and and uh, so that's, that's the one that's on top when you're, as you're adding, as you're building. Um, you know, uh, I'm thinking... Have any any of you ever watched the movie Captain America? So, there's a scene where uh, Captain America's name is really Steve Rogers, and in the beginning of the movie, I don't know how they do this, but it's like, it's the right head, but it's on the body of this little skinny guy that's a foot shorter than everybody else, and he's the scrawniest guy you've seen. But he's got a big heart, and he's got superior moral character and courage to anybody. And he walks around. He can't get into the army. And so this is during World War II. Uh, so finally, he gets found by somebody important who's doing this government military experiment to try to create super soldiers. And he's in this special, He's invited to this special boot camp. And he's like, the rest of the people in it are big guys and strong guys. And he's a skinny guy. And he can't keep up. Um, But as as one test, see, they want a guy. What they really want is a guy with the right heart, because if they're going to make him into a super invincible soldier, they don't want him to turn bad, right? So, um, so as a test, this uh, commander tosses out a hand grenade onto the ground, and uh, everybody everybody sees it and. Steve is the one who jumps on it and covers it up with his body to protect everybody else. And um, <clears throat> that's, uh, that's an example of agape love, right? To lay down your life for somebody else. Now, most days you go by, you don't see somebody throw a grenade out there. In Iraq, maybe, right? But <laughs> Um, But there are many smaller and more common ways of laying down our lives that come up to us on a daily basis. And um, Jesus lived that way, and so will we. And in fact, he called us to take up our cross daily and follow him. And he said, whoever will lose his life for my sake and the gospel is the one who will find it for eternity. So that's the list. And the question is, what are the results of all this building and supplementing to the faith, which is the relationship with him that he's given us through Jesus Christ by grace? Well, Peter goes on, starting at verse 8. And he says, For, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, so I, I see it like this, when it starts out with um, virtue, it's not like, okay, we finished virtue, we don't have to work on that anymore, now we're working on the next one, which is what? Knowledge? All right, then we finish finished knowledge, we're done with it. It's not like that, it's like we're, we're getting some virtue and then we're building on it with knowledge. So we're still working on all of the layers, right? all of the levels. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, In other words, talking about growth, right? Picture the pumpkins. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, keep your relationship with Jesus Christ from being unfruitful, ineffective. (laughs) For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you read that, what a tragedy what a waste for any believer if we were to end life being ineffective and unproductive in our relationship with Jesus. So, I mean, that's, that's a place we don't want to go. We don't want to go there. It's an unthinkable outcome to our faith. It's a packet of unused seeds instead of a yard full of giant pumpkins. <laughs> It's the MacBook sitting dusty on a desk, unused, unsupported, and obsolete. Unuseful anymore. God has great purposes for each of our lives, and that's why discipleship is so important. That's why it's so important for us, teachers and parents, to train our children to not only know the Lord, but to build on that faith. It's why all of us, young and old, need to actively participate in Jesus' personalized discipleship program for us in other words follow me walk with him through our life that he has directed for us following him through life step by step day by day he has rich rewards waiting at the end of this path for those of us who will walk with him now have you heard any of these things before that's okay. You know, at COS, students know, tell me if I'm wrong, that we teachers repeat many of the same biblical truths to them day in and day out. Is that right? Probably some of this, a lot of the same stories. And the truth is, it's not because we're old and have forgotten that we have said it 179 times before. At least most of the time, it's not that reason. Um, we drill God's truths into you because our hearts desire is that these things will become reality in your lives and it will bear fruit in your lives and that you will pass those things on to the next generation somebody said how your own children turn out is not a true measure of whether you are effective but the generation after them that maybe you didn't even know how they're doing that's where the that's the fruitful life um this is part of our agape love for you to to do that listen to what peter says in verse 12 i'll finish up he says therefore i intend always to remind you of these qualities <laughs> you can just imagine like just repeating them Until you're like, yeah, we've heard that before, Peter. That's okay, I'm going to keep reminding you. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. So I have a word for the teachers this morning for the parents and anybody who speaks God's word and teaches it to anybody here. And that is, don't think, well, I've said it once, they know it already. Don't be worried about repeating yourself of drilling it into people the basic things because here's the truth Peter said I know that the putting off of my body will be soon and the truth is that each one of us is gonna put off our body one time sooner or later long life to us is soon to God amen and at that time you know, are we going to have pumpkins or are we going to have pumpkin seeds? Amen? What have we done with our nice computer that was gifted to us? What have we done with the faith that God has put in us? And what reward is going to be waiting to, uh, for us? And maybe even more importantly, what reward is going to be waiting? I, I'm so glad that Brother Warren and Anita obeyed God and made that trip to Texas. That's just awesome. You know that's an example of knowledge. Add to your faith, knowledge. He knew what to do. He received that direction from the Lord. You know, if he hadn't added to his faith, knowledge, then he wouldn't have done that. And what difference would that have made in um, James's life? And so that's why this, these things are so important. So let's let's. Come before the Lord in prayer right now this morning. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bow before you. We just give thanks to you, Lord, for the goodness that you have shown in giving us faith, the faith that you have given us, the relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there's anybody here this morning who has not said yes to the call to follow you, Lord, we say yes to you. We will follow you. And Lord, this morning we repent for when we have not followed you by walking with you. And we repent for the, that we have not built or added on to that faith. But, Lord, we ask that you would have your way in us. Holy Spirit, we say yes to you. Lord, we declare you are our shepherd. You are our teacher. You are our Lord. And we will follow you. Help us to walk with you. Help us to add to our faith virtue and to virtue, knowledge and to knowledge, self-control to self-control. steadfastness into that brotherly kindness into brotherly kindness love let us grow Lord we want to grow we want to walk with you Lord keep our eyes on you keep our ears open to you make us willing Make us. Uh, let us grow we know that it's in us we thank you and we give glory to you that you are in us And Lord, may we accomplish all of your grand objectives in our life. Lord, we offer ourselves to you and we give thanks that you have loved us so much. You have given so much for us and it's all for our good. It's all for your good in our lives and for your glory. Help us to love one another. Help us even to be willing to lay down our own lives for you and for the sake of the gospel. We offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.